And if you look at your notes, uh, there is a current event uh, note at the top that I think really um, is an important question that we face today. And that's what do I think about the natural disasters, uh, the storms, the hurricanes? The first thing I want to say is the Bible said it would happen. It doesn't give us all the whys, but it tells us that it will happen, and he tells us how we should respond to it. Luke chapter 21, verse 9. But when you hear of wars and, and commotions, what did, it, what did he say? Do not be terrified. That's in bold print for you in your notes. Do not be what? Terrified. For these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be, a great, be great earthquakes in various places, um, Mexico, just recently, amazing story, and famines and pestilences, and there will be uh, fearful sights. So it's going to be, the Bible says there's going to be a lot that will go wrong in the last days, and that's, that's, that's not something that we should be surprised by. The question is, how do we respond to it? He says, the big thing is, do not be terrified because there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Some people will say that this happened because of the um, uh, global warming, uh, especially the hurricanes that have come through. And there's some argument that I think is worth looking at. I think scientists have raised some very powerful arguments that we could be just doing this to ourselves. Um, and you might not believe in that, but, you know, I, I, think, there's, I think it's worth looking at and, and valuing uh, a decent look because... The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And so when you look at, you know, a lot of the industries that are polluting the atmosphere for money to make profit, we could be polluting ourselves and, and putting ourselves at this terrible peril uh, because of the way we handle the environment. When, when God told Adam he was to tend the garden, that was saying your responsibility is the earth. You, have a you are a steward of this place. And so I'm, I'm big on that. I, I, I do all that I can do. I, every time I recycle something, I say, this is my part. This is what I can. I, I can take this little plastic thing, and I can drop it in here. This is my part. You know, and every little bit helps. You know, I was in Africa, and um, it was amazing how we don't here really value water. Not, really, not yet. Uh, but believe me, there's, there is some value to water that you don't understand. A lot of the countries don't have piped water. You know what that means, right? That means that all the water has to be carried to the location. So we're in Africa and Nigeria, and I'm speaking at this, this camp, this, and it's just thousands and thousands of people, 50,000 people, big old, big old thing. And um, they got us in the really nice um, dorm where, like, it's like, you know, the top guests, the VIP guests. And, and so I, I have my own little, we have our room and our shower. And so, you know, what we normally do. When we take a shower, we warm it up first, right? So I cut it on, you know what I'm saying? Praising the Lord, hallelujah. I got in there, and, and all of a sudden, it started dripping. I thought, wait, what drip? I mean, like, it was so little, you had to kind of throw it on yourself like that. And I thought, Lord, what happened to the water? And I, and, and I, it, I, I didn't realize, you can't do that. You soap up, you rinse off, you let it run. It runs all the way out. Come on, say all the way out. And it's gone for the day. So Diane come behind me. She really ain't got nothing to work with. So everybody, <laughs> I apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I tell you, I, my first, my, I tell you, I was so happy to see a, a strong flow of water. After about how many was there? About 10 days. Was it 10 days? About 10 days of, of hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And um, to see people outside, you know, and we were, we were really like the VIPs. They had guards all around. Them. They took good, really good care of us. It was really nice. And, um, but the environment matters. And sometimes it's when you're in a place when you don't see that. I think they say if you run the water when you brush your teeth, that's four gallons of water. <laughs> it's like you just, oh, yeah, hey, how y'all doing? This water's running it's for no reason. You just cut it off and, you know, just become more conscious of how much I'm wasting compared to what you couldn't do in other places. So that's uh, my answer to that, and I hope that was a blessing to you. Everybody say amen. amen. Moving on, let me give you the four questions. I'm going to run through these. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to 
Take, if you're, even if you're home, we're going to take questions from those of you that are watching from home, and you can simply email them in right there on your system. And uh, if you want to send it to pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org, you can do that. Pastor at what? Overcomingbyfaith.org. And, our, and you can uh, simply, if you're watching at home, just type in your question, and it will come to us, and we will deal with your question uh, about relationships. Here they are. Number, there are five lead questions. What do you do if you are in a bad relationship? If you're in a bad relationship, what is the first thing you do? I'll give you one word. Everybody say renegotiate. If it's bad, it's bad. You just need to say this is not working out for me. Uh, even if it's a friendship, it's not necessarily a dating relationship. It could just be a friendship. And, and every now and then you have to renegotiate because maybe this is the kind of friend you met and now they're borrowing money every month on the 15th or 30th. They call you on the 28th and say, hey, my rent's due. And you're starting to see this as a pattern. And you need to say, can we renegotiate? You know, I, I, I like you, but I, you can't call me every month on the 28th. I thought you were my friend. Uh, yeah, but that's not what friendship means in the dictionary. And so let's renegotiate. And sometimes people can deal with that and some people can't. And you have to say, well, okay, that's now, now I know what you know. And so we need to maybe, maybe we're not going to be. And if it's bad, this is bad. Why sit there and be angry? I'm like that. I mean, I don't change my phone number. I tell people, I just tell them, stop calling me. Why would I change my number? I had my number for years. Why would I just, I just tell you? You know, I don't have problems with members harassing me because I just tell them, hey, <laughs> just, I want to be your friend. I want, you to, I want my brain to like you, and I want you to like me. I believe that if you are kind, and, and you got to be, you got to love people. Now, you gotta, this doesn't work if you're mean. If you really love people, and you really care about people, and you just say, I want to renegotiate our friendship. You can come to my house, but you have to leave at this time. <laughs> this is checkout time. This is, I got to go to sleep in the morning. I can't talk all night. You know, you can't call me at this time of night or in the morning because I'm, 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 I'm old. I go to sleep at 7 o'clock. You know, you lay out your plan. You may be the kind of person that can. You, you, you pick your friends, and, you know, I got friends I can call like Six in the morning, because they're up. We talk and laugh. I got people that I know I better not call them until 11 o'clock. <laughs> Everybody say renegotiate. renegotiate. Do that in your marriage. Do that in your relationships, and it can help you. Number two, what do you do if you are betrayed in a relationship? Someone has betrayed you. The first thing you should do is decide. Everybody say decide. decide. Which means, okay, it, something happened, and for some reason I feel betrayed by you. Okay, so I need to decide whether I can get past that or not. Okay, you burned down my house, you wrecked my last two cars. Okay, now, do, do I need to give you, loan, loan, let you loan, loan you my next car? Okay, if I do decide to do that, I can't blame you for that. I need to decide how much further I can go down this road. And I really believe that's important if you, if you feel betrayed. And, and, this, and I don't know that forgiveness is the issue as much as, as sometimes it's just, it's, it's just, um, I, I can't find a way to reconcile you and the other person. And, but what I don't want you to do, what I don't think you should do is, if you're going to allow a person to be in your life, allow them to be in your life. Don't hold that over them every five minutes every time you're mad. You have to decide, okay, I need to decide. Uh, I've been betrayed, but I need to know what, what my response is going to be. And maybe you don't know. You may need a few minutes to figure that out. But everybody's got to do what? Decide. All right. Next thing I want you to do is this. I want you to, uh, if you're like me and your phone is beeping on you, isn't that amazing? There you go. All right. Look at number three. How do you repair uh, a relationship with your parents? Parenting is one of the most amazing experiences that you'll ever have in your life. Being a kid is one of the most vulnerable, unique experiences you'll ever have. Because when you're a kid, you think your parents have all the power, and they're, you know, and especially certain ages, when they get, you get around 13, they start looking dumber to you because you get wiser. And when you get to be 17, you're now grown, and you're about to leave these people and, you know, and all that. And, and I understand that. But here's what I want you to do. Trade places with them. I want you to try to understand how they feel. If your parents are getting older... Trade, trade with them and ask yourself, what's it like? How many of you have things that your parents uh, said to you when you were younger 
that you didn't believe then, but you believe now? Raise your hand. Okay, give me, give me some of the things. Just raise your hand. Let me see. What, did you, what didn't you believe then that now you believe now? Give me a couple. Raise your hand. What, what didn't you believe? Enjoy being a kid while you can. Now, they tried to tell you that. You didn't believe that then. Now you, you see it. Somebody else. What didn't you believe? Yes. You got all the time in the world to do all that, right? Slow it down. Don't be so, okay. Good. Somebody else. What, what didn't, yes. Don't marry that guy. Don't marry that guy. <laughs> Don't marry that guy. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're just trying to mess up my love life. You're trying to get into my life. Nobody told you to marry. Uh-huh. Yes. You'll have kids just like you. Oh, and then they show up and they just like you, and you want to beat them, and you can't because they say, "Why you beating me? I'm just like you." <laughs> so cool. Somebody else? Anybody else? Something you believe? Yes. Everybody's not your friend. Everybody's not your friend. So those are things that you grow to believe. And here's what was happened: you traded places. You now have experience that you didn't have before. And so now you can relate to what they said. And so it's a lot easier for you. But understand, with, with, as you get older, that's going to continue to happen. Your view of what your parents said is going to change. Your view of how your parents saw the world is going to change. And a lot of things will become clearer to you over time. So that's important. So number four, what can you do if you, you, damage, if you damage the relationship? If you did something that damaged the relationship, what can you do? Well, first of all, be honest. Say, I did that. And I have had so many people, men and women, come to me and say, you know, I, I just stepped out of my marriage. I cheated. I lied. I did this. I did that. Um, oh, man, I know stories. I know stories, oh, man, that are just, oh, heartbreaking stories of people who did things. And, and, and then when it's found out, they're, like, so humiliated by it. But if you did it, you did it. Be honest about it and say, okay. Um, I have to be honest and now move forward. The Bible said if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me. And you have to love yourself and move on. And then sometimes people forgive you, sometimes they don't. I was in, preaching in prison and the guys ask me all the time. They say, uh, during the Q&A sessions I do like this in prisons, and they'll say, well, what if they won't forgive us? I say, well, you forgive yourself. You can't, you can't go back and change some things. You know, I killed your cousin. Okay, I can't bring him back. You know, I, I was foolish, I was out of control, I was angry. You know, and all of you who get angry real quick, are, 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 you're that way from hurting somebody or getting hurt yourself. You get into fights, and you're too old to be fighting. What are you doing, fighting and cussing people? Yeah, somebody can shoot you. I know people. I know somebody, they, they, they ran up on somebody, and you just got to run up on the right person. You just ain't met the right person. You know, I saw a lady, maybe you in there, I hope you're not, but I saw a lady get out the car the other day, and she went and, beat on the woman's car and wanted to fight her, and, and she cut her off or something, and she called her. And I said, you know, now you're dealing with the right car. Somebody done shot you, you know, and then talk about stand your ground, you'd be dead. And they'd, they'd be, I mean, you know, the new law, the stand your ground law they got in Florida? They got something close to that in Georgia. I mean, so you don't want to come up on people. But anyway, um, it's just tragic how sometimes you do things, and you're sorry you did it, but you can't change it. And, and I, I think you have to be really, really careful about how you engage people and how you engage anger and because you could end up in a place where I know a lot of people have been. They did something. They really had a woman killed her husband, didn't mean to. He, 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 they had a habit of fighting. He'd come up on her and, and back her, and she, she stabbed him. And one just bam, and before she knew he was dead, and now she's facing uh, manslaughter, it's, uh, uh, you know, involuntary manslaughter, and, and went to prison for it. That's why you don't need to be fighting all the time. Police come to your house all the time. Why they come to your house? You save, sanctify, and fill the spirit. And when they get in there, you're talking about Jesus and overcome by faith. Don't mention my name. Don't <laughs> mention my name. <laughs> I go to Pastor Rick. I, 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 Mention your old church. Don't mention me. <laughs> so how you go there and you fighting and cussing and, you know what I'm saying? So, all right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. What do you do if you damage the relationship? Be honest. Come on, say be honest. 
I did this, I did this, I did this. If you, you're crazy, you're a crazy parent, you know you're crazy. Tell you to have a meeting. Okay, I damaged all of you. I damaged all of you. Okay, I whipped you too much. That's car, I did that. I'm sorry. I mean, honestly, I'm sorry. I, I, I just didn't know. And some of you really didn't know. Some of you parented too early. Some of you parented with no experience. Some of you parented with no support. Some of you had no infrastructure in your own soul. And you were trying to manage these people. And they're hard to manage. I haven't had a grandbaby in the house with me in a long time. It's amazing. Huh? I mean, they're, they're running around. They're talking. They're saying stuff to you. They're talking back to you. They're saying things. You say, come here. They say, no. They run. <laughs> I say, no, you can't say no to me. Come here. No, you know, it's, and when you're a single parent, you're, you know, and you're trying to negotiate all this, this is hard. Can we say that? Come on, say, this is hard. And so that's why you feel like that. You're going crazy, but you're not. Last question. What do you do to build a good relationship and keep it going? Well, you got to make investments. Say the word investment, please. I make investments in my relationship with Diane. Monday is my big investment day with her. I make and some of you can't do a Monday, but you should have a day you invest in your relationship. You have to spend time together. You have to talk together. It's not going to be like TV. It's not going to be a bunch of romantic stuff where it's everybody's all smooshy all the time. You know, you have to understand there are moments in life when nothing's going to change unless you make an investment to change it. So if a relationship is good, even if it's a friendship, I've invested my friends. I call them. I keep up with them. I text a guy this morning. He's pastoring a big church up in D.C. Hey, man, how you doing? Thinking about you, praying for you. And he sent me a text this morning. Hey, I'm thinking about you, praying for you. Because I've been doing that for a while to him. And he says, hey. I said, well, let me, I'm going to fly up and hang out with you. But now I'll just go up there and we'll just hang out for a day. And I did it the other day in another city. I'll just, hey, man, let me just let me hang out with you. Just, we'll go. And they're great people. I pick my friends carefully and I invest in them because I really view them as important. And they help me in so many ways. Oh, my goodness. They help me financially, you know, manage my resources. They give me wisdom and insight. Um, all kinds of wonderful things happen when you invest in relationships. With my kids, I do the same thing. I have little rules. Like, for example, um, I go after them. I, I try to pursue them because I think it really makes a difference. And uh, I shouldn't do this. Are you, are you, can you come? Sorry? Come on. I, I think it'd be great. Let me let Christina tell you. Because Ricky's not here. I should probably call him the turkey. Um, he's probably watching. Hey, Rick. Um, but um, just, just really quick, I promise. What, what do I do that in, is an investment from the investment side? You can stand right here, big girl. I'm not going to call you up. Everybody say hello, Christina. Hello. Everybody say happy birthday. <laughs> come on, come you, on. Happy birthday. You. Come on up, big girl. She's 30 years old. 30 years old. I'm official. How do you feel? I feel good. You know, I feel younger. You know, it's like I'm backtracking a little bit. In a good way, though. You look good. Thank you. She looks good. All right. Young people here. Investment. Just answer that part. How? how, how? Um, I, I, I think what you were saying about you come after us. I think that um, you don't just let us sink in our emotions or whatever it is that we're dealing with, whether we're angry or frustrated or whatever it is. You intentionally reach out to us, you know, through anything that we're dealing with in life, like you will call. And it's crazy because it's been moments where I felt like I was in a, having a moment and my phone rang and it said my dad. And it was like, really? Like, that's crazy. But yeah, you intentionally come after us. You see, okay, how's your day? Where's your head at? Talk to me. What's going on? How you feeling? All those different things. So I think that is what has helped is that you do intentional things to call, reach out, what you doing today, let's go get breakfast, um, let's go hang out, come ride with me, you know, it's been moments like that, we're all together, oh, just come ride with me to the store, and it's, it's, that's what I love the most. Good. Love you, big girl. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so make an investment, and it really pays off in the end. Now, that's it for me, it's your turn, I have no more. I mean, I prepared zero, I have no sermon. I have nothing. I will just send you home today. It's been a wonderful. Thank you for coming. Let's do questions. We got some. We got some online. Do you? Really? We'll start with online today. What you got online? All right. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Um, first question is about fatherless daughters. 
How do you handle adult children refusing to continue a relationship with their father after he has done all he could to be and stay in her life? Ask her why she thinks that way. If, if, if people are angry, people are angry with you if you do something good. So if I put my wallet and they give you $100, would you be angry with me? See? There you go. You like that. I ain't doing that. But you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> that, people like when you do good stuff for them, right? If, if, if I offered you $100 and you said no, that she would go, we'll slide over, Pastor Rick, just go come over a few feet. Because <laughs> the question would be, why would you say no? Well, maybe you said no. Last time you gave me $100, you wanted something. You know what I'm saying? See, there's something behind her anger. And so rather than just indicting her and saying, okay, why doesn't she want that? And he's done all he can. It may not be all she needs. It may be all you defined as okay or needed, and, but it's not what she needed. You know, some people will say, look, I did everything. I took you to church. Yeah, but you kept me there for five hours every time I went. <laughs> or every time you talked to me, there was a hook. You loaned me money, but you gave me a speech before you loaned me the money. You know what I'm saying? So there could be a whole story she's got. She's got. So what you want to do is go to her, and here's what you do. Don't talk. Don't criticize. Don't have any, don't give, don't give any body language. Girl, tell me, what is it? That makes you feel this way. I promise you she'll tell you. Oh, she'll give you a list. One, two, three, four, five. She can be off. She can be wrong. But it's what she sees. And that's what I have to fix. I have a rule. When a person's mad with me, I never start where I am. You know why? Because I'm okay. I know I'm not mad with you. I'm fine. I need to start where you are. So when somebody sees me in public, can I talk to you, Ricky Temple? <laughs> I was going to come on. This is so funny. I don't even know. What's your name? Okay. I said, yeah, sure. I said, what's up? I want to ask you something. And so I start where they are. I love the story. The lady says, you named the church after you, Ricky's Temple. How could you do that? I said, no, my name, ma'am, is Ricky Temple. She was really mad. Another lady was mad with me because she said that I had people, um, you couldn't join my church unless I asked for your W-2 form. I said, ma'am, I, I, I wouldn't even join that church. <laughs> I just, so that's in her mind. So I had to start where he or she was and then let and then start you don't do anything for the community no ma'am that's not quite true either no sir that's not quite true either here's what we do we just don't brag about it like that we just kind of do something we kind of big big walkers and not too much talkers you know so I, I'll list this and they say, oh I didn't know all that I said okay I understand but I start where they are and then I help them be better and then I'm okay that's my approach you know so it helps me so start where she is and fix it give me one more online okay how can I get my spouse to allow me to control the things I'm better at doing? Um, <laughs> why doesn't he think you're good at it? What's in his mind that makes him think you're not good at it? Now, in my life, I would think, and now this is true, if I can go back in time, if I can go back in time, you know, I'm going to surprise you. Here's what I would tell myself. Give Diane all your money. Now, if you told me that when I first got married, I said, you are out of your mind. I am not giving a woman all my money. Absolutely not. And when I used to go on my wallet, huh, she'd be standing there. I said, just a minute. I'd turn around. <laughs> she, I did for years. She'll tell you. I turned around. I said, no, uh-uh, sister girl. <laughs> it's my money. Bring my check home. Now here's, now, here's the background of that. My mother used to always say, I want a man to bring the check home. I said, where is that man at? I'm not bringing you my check. I, had, I, I developed an attitude early in life. So you want to understand why is it that the person feels that way. It took Diane so proud right now. Man, she's amazing. That girl can save a nickel. That's a tight woman. Let me tell you, you want to have some money. You want to have some money, leave Diane in your savings plan. She does everything she promises. She doesn't spend it. She's faithful. And then what's bad, though, if you tell her I'm saving $100 a week, you try to change it. So, uh, so uh, what's uh, the reason for this change? <laughs> then she waits. She don't say nothing. She's waiting. Now you, see, I know what's coming now. I got it. Even though it was my idea. Whose idea was it? One more time. Whose idea was this? She's going to tell me. I change it. If I want to be $95, I can change because I want five more dollars in my pocket. And she said, well, you, you, Why? So I know what's going to happen, but she's good. So I, I think that, that I had issues that made me not 
do that. There are reasons why he won't let you do certain things. You want to understand where he is, start where he is, and say, okay, tell, why would you, I think I'm pretty good at this. Why, why won't you let me try it? I think you're trying to control me. Let's deal with that. Let's deal with that. Because I was afraid of that. I thought she was smart and she's trying to, you know, be smart and trying to, okay, no, I made this money. And so that's my response. So ask the person, see if they can help you and come together. Yes. And just for clarity, it's a male asking about his wife. Same rule. <laughs> I'm serious. Just switch it. Same thing. Same thing. I mean, you know, it's sometimes the man is better, sometimes the woman is better, but this principle is the same. All right. That's it for online. Okay. Now, in the building, who got a question for me about what? Relationships. Okay. Right here. Relationships only. Okay. We got one here. We got one here. Is that right? Okay. One here. One here. The mic's coming to you that way, please. Mic's coming from your left. And then one here, and we got any more? That's it for now on this side, okay? Go for it, sir. You go first. Yes. Yes, Pastor. My name's Kevin. Um, I raised uh, my only child, and I've moved away from uh, where we live for the first time, and we're actually separated. And our relationship seems to be getting more distant as time passes. What are things I could probably do to help? This is with the daughter, son? Son. Son. Boys, you have to go after them. You know, you have even, even daughters, but you really have to go after boys. Girls sometimes can be a little bit more, you know, willing. And, but, boy, guys, guys get in that man thing, and they get lost. So what you have to do is travel to him. You have to go to him. You have to get on your own gas, and it, no hooks, no, no, no strings. Just come take your lunch. Just come take your lunch. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, a, it's powerful. When Ricky moved to Orlando, here's what I told him. I will visit you once a quarter until you die. He said, what'd you say? I said, when you die, I'll stop coming. <laughs> and the reason I wanted to put that in his brain, and, he, and he, he'll tell you, there's no way I could say that that guy does not make an effort to relate to me. I talk to him, if not every day. Oh, man. Oh, man. He, um, he'll hook me. He'll hit, hey, Dad, what you doing, man? On the way in, way out, he'll reach out to me, and I reach out to him. And if he doesn't, I'm coming for him. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I believe that my investment is not over yet. And, and he needs to know that we ride or die my kids, my wife, we ride or die together. We all in. You're not, you're not by yourself. I'm not going to give you a bunch of lectures. I don't do all that. See, you know, daddies talk too much sometimes. Well, let me tell you, when I was a chicken, I don't want to hear when you was on the farm. I'm living in the city. I'm, did I say chicken? I did. I did. Okay. I'm sorry. Ignore that. Ignore that. Back up. So, you know, I was on the farm with the chickens and all that. You know, man, don't, tell, don't start with that story, you know. And then, then I, I, another thing I've learned, I don't try to outshine him. He told me he made $20 an hour. I said, well, I made 80 You know, yeah, don't do that. Don't, don't overshine the brother. Don't overtalk the brother. Let the brother. And then what you'll learn is where his pain is. And you want him to feel safe. You want her to feel like I can come and talk to you. So that's my first step. Hope that helps. Where we at? Right here. Uh, yes, Pastor. Uh, what are some things uh, you can say on a uh, young couple, you know, before marriage or they're already married for uh, spiritual development so they can, they can grow and mature in that light. You know, I, thank you. Uh, I, I don't, then it's going to surprise you, okay? Um, <laughs> it's really going to surprise you. I believe it's true a family that prays together has a chance to stand together. You hear me? I, add, I added to that a little bit. Um, because some families I know that pray together didn't stay together. Because individually they didn't grow. One strong dude plus one strong woman is two strong people. My responsibility for my growth is my responsibility. It's not hers. My wife does not like to hear my sermons in advance. My wife does not like to feel like she's with a professional religious person. My wife does not like me. It gets on my nerves, but I try to read to her. 
and she has this thing, because I'm thinking, I'm going to help us grow spiritually together. So I, I says, Diane, I want to read to you. Uh, and I want to read stuff like soteriology, doctrine of salvation. She says, Rick, what does that mean? I'm not a Bible college student. Don't. You know, and so, and then sometimes she falls asleep. No, this is true. She does. It's bad for our marriage, but she falls asleep. And she, she wakes up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm, no, I'm Richie. Rick, I'm serious. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. And then sometimes when she's wicked, she'll say, read to me because I'm tired. I need to go to sleep. <laughs> read one of your boring books. She claims that my books are the worst books. She said, well, who knows? We have a rule. I can't even play my book on tapes in the car. She told me you can't. And Christina's right with it, which is terrible. You're doing with your mom. She says, do not play those tapes in the car. We don't know what they're saying. We don't understand any of that stuff. And so my point is our growth is different because we have different appetites, different approaches. Uh, I like research and getting all, uh, is, uh, this is my profession. I'm, I, I have a master's degree in this stuff, so I like it a lot, way academic person. But she, and she's a school teacher. She's a smart person, but she doesn't like it like that. So our growth is different. So what I'm saying is let grow individually and then come together on occasions. Pray a lot individually and then pray together occasionally. But it's your individual responsibility to be strong. That's what makes our relationship work. She loves Jesus on her own without me. If, if, you're, gonna, if you're looking for a relationship, don't get any fixer-uppers. Don't get anybody you got to get to pray and read the Bible. He didn't read the Bible before he met me. Really? Okay, watch it. That's like he didn't work before he met you. That's a dangerous one too. You, you understand what I'm saying? He didn't work. He didn't have a job until he met me. I made him a man. Watch it. You don't make anybody anything. You find out who they are and then see if they want to be independent of you, a growing, mature person. So do that individually and then find common places you can meet. That's what I do. Hope that helps. Somebody else have a question about relationships. Everybody say relationships. relationships. In the back here, we got a relationship question. Someone has one. What do you, what's your question? I have a question. How does a parent learn how to be a good Christian parent when they were raised by an abusive parent and they didn't have a role model to lean on? I think, I think, you, I think you probably have an advantage because you know what not to do. So now you know what not to do, and your best effort is going to make it better for your child than you ever had in your life. So abuse sometimes can be your, can be your great educator because you've got a library of information. You don't talk to people this way because this is how they feel. You don't act this way because this is how they feel. You do unto others as you want them to do unto you, the Bible says. So to me, you're at a bit of an advantage. Um, I don't know that Diane and I had great relationship models in our lives. My mom never married. Diane's mom had, you know, some divorce situations. So, I mean, it doesn't mean that, that both of us come from challenging backgrounds to some degree. But we, you, 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 we use that to build a library for the future. And that's what experiences can do. It can help you. You can be better. The bad that's happened in your life can become a, a resource for you to make your life better. Look, if you've ever gone, how many of you have gone through financial trouble? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, financial trouble. Okay, now, what did you learn from it? Don't do it again. Name some stuff you would never, ever do again. Save money. What else? What would you do? Raise your hand. Come on. What would you do that you, that you now get what? Yes? Use student loan, don't use student loan money to buy pizza. Okay. Well, because <laughs> you got to pay. That's an expensive pizza. Long time. You've beaten that for a while. What did you do with money that you would never do again? Yes? Don't make impulsive decisions. Don't make impulsive decisions. Um, give me one more. What would you do that you, what? Invest. See, these are things you learn, and some of you are not going to tell the whole story. Buy a car you can't afford. You know, you know get all excited about giving money away to people that don't pay you back. All those things made you smarter. So I feel like in my life, um, my bad experiences became the education for my future choices. That's why I pastor the way I pastor. That's why I talk to people because I realize that I don't need to just get up here and just be up here. I need to talk to you. And I have, a, I have in my mind a clearer vision of the kind of church I want us to build. All right, more questions about relationships. Ask me another one. Over in the corner? Yes. And then one way back here. Okay, who's got the mic first? Go for it, sister. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. My question is. I have faith. They're going to turn it up. Say it again. My question is. Yes. As a mother, how do you um, grow a stronger relationship with your sons? I, I, you know what I think mothers don't do? They don't, they, don't, they don't study men. 
They just go by their intuition. Um, I study women. Diane used to get mad with me because I read about women a lot. And she said, why are you always reading about women? Because I said, I don't have any problem with men. <laughs> I mean, my, I don't understand. I, I'm a guy. I, I hang around guys. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the guys. Uh, my problem is, and so I would read, like, she get mad at books like How to Deal with a Pastor's Wife. And she say, now, why do you have this book? <laughs> I'm married to a pastor's wife. And I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. I really mean that. I, right now, I'm reading a book called Age Proof. And then there's one called Courageous Aging. Oh, oh um, the Courageous Aging. And it's about people who are 60, 65, 70. I'm 59. I read ahead of my season so that I understand. So you need to read about your sons. There's a wonderful book called The Female Brain. Oh, man, that thing is so good. It helps me understand little baby girls, little boys, you know, things I didn't know. Like, for example, girls respond to your voice. When you say something to her, hey, don't do that. She'll look around. A boy, you got to put your hand on him. (laughs) But that's biological. They can't, they don't hear the same. Not that you have to spank him, but you have to get, hey, come here, dude, don't do that. You have to, you have to he, he needs touch. And, and so the book talks about all that. And so it's called The Female Brain. So I read ahead, and I think a lot, that's what women don't do. They, they, and I used, to, I used to say this to my wife, you can't have a PhD in woman and man at the same time. You got to have a learning curve for guys. You know, you, if you talk to your son the way you talk to your girl, you ain't going to work. Not long term. Boys take things differently. You know, you down in my manhood. You know what I'm saying? You know, get in here. I told you, didn't I? I'll slap you. I'm your mama. I'll beat you down. You tell me. What did I tell you? See, the, you, you, see in the man culture, we're ready to fight. The, the, no, no, I'm serious. Men don't talk to each other that way. Now, you women, you know you talk to each other all kind of ways. Y'all say some things. And then you have, you have the verbal and the nonverbal. The nonverbal. <laughs> you bring, you know, you bring, you bring your girlfriend to the house. You go. See, you know what that means. Your toes ain't done. You, you know, you get it's a whole lot. The guy, he, hey, mama, how you doing? He don't know what's going on. The woman is feeling all kinds of pressure. So you're, you have to learn how men communicate, and, and, and sometimes you're talking too long. Sometimes you, it, it feels like he's, he, they tend to feel beat up, and that's not what you're trying to do. You, so you, you kind of have to study the men a little bit, and, and I, I hope that helps a little bit. I've talked a long time on that. Somebody else, where are we at? Right here? Yes. Uh, coming up on financial issues recently, how is it that, well, how can you help your significant other feel as if their problems aren't minuscule when you are the sole provider. How can you help them feel that your problems aren't their problems aren't minuscule when you're the sole provider? So like, are you saying say it another way, are you trying to say that they feel like as if she doesn't like as if the significant other doesn't do enough. Okay. So they're saying that you don't do enough. Well, no, it's reverse. They feel as if they don't do enough to contribute. Okay, and you are the sole provider. I think you have to kind of help the person see where they're valuable. Let's say, for example, if it's a stay-at-home mom, okay? A stay-at-home mom is 40000 bucks in value a year. Easy. You don't believe me? Go hire a housekeeper. Hire a cook. Hire somebody to take care of your children. Add it all together. It's, it's, it's upwards of close to $40,000. It's very expensive to have that. I think what I tried to do... Um, is try to assign value to what they do. And then I'll tell you something else. Um, my attitude towards the money affects how she feels about it. If I'm complaining, if I'm, and Dinah do that now. Dinah say, you know, oh, Rick, I don't want to put that on you. You know, you do so much. I said, no, no, it's okay, babe, I'm fine. You know, but if I go, yeah, 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 I'm mad. Yeah, yeah, I'm under pressure. You better be, be happy you got me. You know, see, now I can, I can contribute to her feeling of worthlessness. I've got to create, I try to, and I say this to, I say this about women, I have to smart her up and build her up. I have to make her feel like she's a valuable person. When I make the decision to be a stay-at-home, when a woman or a guy makes the decision to be a stay-at-home person, 
I have to come to have a meeting and say what I think, why I think this is a good decision, and then assign value to it. So to me, it's, it's the responsibility of the person who's making the money to, um, to encourage them, but then it's also the responsibility of the person who is home to, to see their own value. See, I have to see my own value. I can't just rely on you to give me value as a pastor. I have to see my own personal worth. And that's not something that, that anybody can do for me. Because as a pastor, when I finish today, here's what's going to happen. All of you are going to turn around and go that way. And that's okay. You don't have to, I mean, somebody may say, that's a good sermon. Or that, I liked last week better. I don't know what they might say. You know, but that's part of my life. I, I can't let that them, the group, define how I feel every day. And I think that that's something that a spouse and a husband, and, but not only that, a, a child and a parent and, and sometimes an employer and employee has to figure out, you know, this is the value I bring and I'm happy with what I can do. If I can do more later, I'll do more later. But right now, this is where I am. Hope that helps, man, again. Uh, yes, where are you? Yes, Pastor Rick. Yes. How you doing? Fine, how are you? Good. Um, I'm finding myself at my age now, I'll be 53. And yay. Yay. And being married for 28 years, um, I had a label of being a widow. Okay, I don't want to be labeled a widow. I want to um, have someone in my life. But I'm finding that these people that come after me, where it says, you f man who finds a wife find a good thing, I tell them, I don't want to be a, a long-time girlfriend. We in this for something else. But they always tell me the two that I've been in say that I'm too strong-willed or um, I don't need anything or, you know, I don't ask them for anything. I just, I mean, what, what is the problem with these men nowadays that they don't want to? What's the problem with these brothers? Yeah. <laughs> They don't want a strong, they don't want to, I'm serious, Pastor Rick. They don't want a strong willed woman. I am a seasoned woman, and I know okay. what I want. Right. And they should know what they want, too, but what's the problem? I mean, give me some advice. All right, one more time again. All right. Why are you, I don't know why you clapping, people. Okay, stay focused here. No, here. Here, here's, what I, here's what I think. I think when you, when you first date a person who's younger, most of the time those relationships start off on level one, two, and three. It's all about kissing, hugging, all that stuff. When you get older and you, a person's been married for 23 years, they don't start with you at level one, maybe for like five minutes. It jumps to level 80 real fast. And sometimes it's dizzying. Because it goes like this. All right, listen. First of all, uh, let's get down to business. I want a long-term commitment. It's like, well, we saw each other an hour ago. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, I don't know if you ever went up an elevator real fast and got dizzy. You know, it, 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 it can be, you know, it's like, you know, slow it down a little bit. Don't give, don't give a lecture. Don't give a, don't categorize him or them. You know, like I think guys do that with women. Don't over-categorize. Let the person be, be just, um, let them, give them a little taste of level one, two, and three. When I, by, by that I mean, let's just, let's just not go so fast emotionally. Because, see, you're at an emotional place, and, and, and this is really, that's different. You're in a different season. I tell people age is not a number, it's a season. So if you were to, if, if a person were to interact with me, I'm in a different season. And if I'm not careful, if I'm trying to start a new relationship, and, 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 and I see this a lot when people are remarrying, and their, their husbands die, in your case, your widow, and, and the person, um, you, you yank too fast. What you do is slow it down a little bit, understand your needs are real, and, but here's what I believe is true. Diane's job is not to meet my needs. There are some needs she can't meet. There's a list of them. She can't make me feel emotionally strong. She can encourage me sometimes. She can't make me feel prosperous. She, there are a lot of things Diane can't do. If I'm not confident in who I am, I will, I will vex her. Whatever happened to you, whatever you went through, that guy has nothing to do with that. Let him start fresh. What's your name? Good. My name is good. I don't need to tell you all the bad things happened to me. 
I don't need to give you no update on my life, where I've been, and I don't need to give you any requirements. You know what I'm saying? And if, and if he has a problem with you being confident, he's the wrong one. So move on, be strong, but always be willing to adjust yourself. Never say it's their fault. Always say, I'm going to look for where I can adjust me a little bit, maybe say a little bit less, maybe give it a little, more, you know, a little slower climb. It might be better. Okay, thank you. Uh, where we at? Yes. I'm going to shoot some out at you. Can you, get, can you do four? Four? Streaming? I don't know if I can do four streaming. I might have to email them back. How many I got in the building? Let's see. Let's, this is going to be so fast. You get one-minute answers. You ready? Everybody say amen. amen. Okay, one-minute answers. You ready? Okay. Uh, let's do here in the building and then four internet. What we got? What's your question? Okay. Oh, hold on. Hold on, microphone. Where the mic's at? And I'm going to do one-minute answers, maybe 30 seconds. Here we go. And I'm going to do all these, and then for the internet, we're done. Yes. How do you um, navigate in a relationship where if you're at a dispute, one person wants to talk about it at a later time, but the other person wants to address it right at that specific moment? I don't think it's fair to make people talk about stuff they're not able to talk about. Don and I have a timeout rule. We call, I'm off. She did it the other day, so I'm off. Sometimes I say, I'm off, and we let the person have the day. Because, because I don't know where they are, and I want to help the person. So that's what I would do, Okay. I just I th give people time. Where are we at? Number two. Where are we at in the building? Who has the mic? Where are the mics at? Um, let me see the hands with the mics. One here, and then where else? That's it. Okay, so two in the building, and we're done with the internet. Next, then we're done. Yes. What do you say to an adult child, a son who says, "I'll never apologize to you"? Give him time. When he switches places and has his own kids, and they tell him that he'll call you. <laughs> All right. That's it in the building. Thank you. On the internet, we got four real quick, one-minute answers. Yes. How do, how do you feel about long-distance relationships? Don and I dated long-term. I think if you invest and you spend, the, you, you, you have enough rendezvous time, enough communication, I think it can work. Uh, I think you have to have timetables where it ends. You can't, like, that can end up being too long, too far, and never go anywhere. As long as it's not too long, too far, we're not going anywhere, then it can, it can end up being okay. What if you know you can get through anything in a, in a relationship, but things continue to go on? How do you know when it's time to move on? I, I, I think you kind of know, and it's when whoever runs out of gas first. Um, <laughs> that, that's what happens. You know, you, you give people time, but eventually you, you, people run out of gas. They don't want to have that same conversation, that same issue. But at least make an effort to save your relationship. Make a genuine effort. And, you know, I suggest counseling. I really do. I think sometimes if when you hear from someone else's perspective and you allow someone to help you in that process, it can help save your relationship. So that's what I'd say. Number three. How do you handle mama boys and interfering mother-in-law? Here, here's, here's what I think is, is a bit unfair. To call him a mama's boy. To, 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 when you brand each other, military people tell you, you have to give them a name to shoot them. You have to justify in your head that's a gook. You, have to, you can't call them that's a terrorist. You have to say something emotionally to make you okay with what I'm about to do to you, this person. When you call your husband a mama's boy, you have labeled him. When you call her a name, you've labeled her. I try not to label my wife. And, and I get, you know, in the back of my head, sometimes we'd have a disagreement, and I start saying, you know, she is, watch it, Temple. Don't you do that. Don't you label your wife. Don't you put a tag on her. And so I would say don't do that. As far as meddling mother-in-laws go, ah, until you become one, you don't understand why they're like that. But sometimes they raise these kids, give them to you, and they have concerns. I would want to know what her concerns are. Now, some mother-in-laws aren't fair. Some, some people are immature, and I can't manage and control their immaturity. But what, what, what I can do is on my side of the river, be fair, not label my husband or my wife, and, and also make sure that I try to renegotiate the relationship with the mother-in-law. But sometimes it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, do the best you can with what you got and pray for the rest. Last part. How do you, in love, tell someone you really don't want to know what's going on between them and their spouse so that, so that you aren't caught in the middle? He's, he's saying one thing, she's saying another. 
They are both your friends. You are single, so it makes you feel like, wow, I'm glad I'm not married. Tell, when, you, when single people are forced to hear the stories of married people, sometimes they feel overwhelmed. And, and they said, and it makes them feel like, I'm glad I'm not married. That's what they just said. I, I think you tell them. You tell them, hey, this is too much. It's above my pay grade. Above my pay grade, I'm not one that wants to hear this. I can't manage it emotionally. I don't know what to tell you to do. And stop them from telling you. And there's something really powerful, and I'll say this and I'm done. I only can manage my side of a relationship, 50%. You manage the other side. As your pastor, I managed 50%. I did my part. I gave you sermon notes. I stood up here today and entertained you questions the best I could. That's all I can do. Now, who's responsible for the other side? Say, we are. Say, you're the church. Okay, I'm over here. So 50%, 50%. You've got to learn how to manage your 50%. And you've got to love God, love your life, and love yourself. And do the best you can. Love, make your side of the relationship as good as you can. Try to understand where their side is. Try to fix what you can. But you can't be responsible for their side. I have a saying, I can't own that. I can't own some things because I, I, I can't. I can, I can listen, try to grow and change. But I can't own if you choose to not, you know, make this better. I hope I helped you today. Did I a little bit? Yes. Praise God. Thank you for letting me talk to you. Father, we thank you for the service. We thank you for all that's been said and done. We ask your blessing upon this time. I pray that people would leave here today changed and inspired. They would say, my life will never be the same. I'm going to open my heart and mind to improving my relationships, my friendships, my working relationships. I want my life to be different, and I want to embrace people differently. And also people would say, maybe I need to start working on my relationship with God. My walk with God is not where it needs to be. If you're here today with every head, body, every eye closed, and you say, Pastor, pray for me because my walk with God needs to be improved today, and I want you to pray for me. I want you, if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want me to pray that God would touch your life in a way that would bring life and vitality to it. You want to give your life to Christ, leave out here knowing you're right with God. I want to pray for you right in your seat. I'm not going to call you up front or anything. Just simply every head bowed, every eye closed with your privacy. Raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Say, pray that prayer for me. I see you. I see two of you. I see three, four of you. I see you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. I see you over there. I see all of you here. God bless you. Father, bless those who raised their hands. I see you back there. I pray for those at home, home and those who are here who prayed this prayer and said, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to make a change. I can't do it alone. You died on the cross to free me. And so I invite you into my life. May this be the moment, Lord, that lives change forever, we pray. And everyone say amen. At the end of the service, there's the Get Connected station to the left.